Hi, Chris Fallotton here. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. I'm so excited about my new show, Cultural Catalyst, where we help you to learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. You can watch it weekly on my YouTube channel or listen to it here. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, welcome to Cultural Catalyst, where we help you to learn how to be fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. And I'm your host, Chris Fallotton, and today I have Steve Moore. Hey, hey. Welcome to Cultural Catalyst. Thanks for having me. Steve is, and his wife, Ruth, are the overseers of our first and second year school, online school ministry. You've yeah. worked for us. For how long have you worked for Bethel? Since the dinosaurs. Uh, nine, worked for nine years, been here for 12, did three years of the school ministry, and then, no, eight years, because I took a year off. Yeah. And, and then you became leaders. Uh, now you guys launched the, uh, the online school. Was that like three, three years, years ago? ago? Yeah. We got 800 students online right now. Yeah. Graduated hundreds and hundreds of students. Uh, about 1,000. How many right. countries are we touching? Do you know with uh, online right now? Currently, like if currently, you just like, currently right now, I don't know. I know from the past we've had 78 countries come through. And some of those like blacklisted countries that – you have to hide your IP address and all that stuff just wow. to do it. And then the, cool. the demographic of people, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Everywhere from very Africa, poor people. China, Taiwan, People in the jungles Australia. of Africa, though, yes. right? Yeah. Like rural, very rural Africa, all yeah. the way to guy, scientists at NASA. Yeah. Is that, did you tell me that the other day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people in Space Force, CEOs, presidents of schools. All going to school ministry. All going to school ministry. Oh, that is just amazing. Pretty humbling. So. Yeah. Hey, let's let's talk a little bit about you. Yeah. Okay, you're married. Tell us a little bit that story. Yeah, so I met my wife at the school of ministry, so Ruth. So Can we stop this for just a minute? We can stop and just thank the Listen, Lord. Listen, you need a mate? <laughs> <laughs> think BSSM, school it's a ministry. Good, you can still especially sign up. if you're a guy, because the... Come on. Good ratio. There's good a, yeah, a two girls for every <laughs> yeah. boy. There it is right there. <laughs> Guys, if you can't find your woman at school ministry, like it's like it's like fishing at the hatchery. <laughs> Literally. It really is. And yeah. you met see, right here, you just a testament right yep. there. So I met her. She was a year older and the great the year above me. Year above you. Um, and she's older than me, so I married up. <laughs> so you did uh, too. Yeah. She's and so uh, too. yeah, we were friends for my first year, and then a year in, I was like, "What am I doing? Exactly. This girl's amazing." From England. From England. Yeah. So asked her on a date and dated for a year, and then got engaged. Engaged for seven months, which was far too long. I know. And then uh, <laughs> it's torture. <laughs> it was torture. <laughs> And then been married, so um, got married in 2014, so coming up on eight years. Okay, so. I know this is her story, but I every, I have told the story probably 30 times. Yeah. Your wife was in a wheelchair for five and a half years. Because she had? M-E, and I cannot pronounce the long I know, name. I know, I know. She can pronounce it, so I'm not yeah. going to do it justice. But yeah, so she, um, when she was 15, she was actually uh uh, semi-professional in tennis, played a lot of tennis, was sponsored on the circuit, and then got really sick. Um, she thought she was going to get better, but didn't. Had to use a wheelchair to get around the house. Had to have her parents cut up her food for her, brush her hair, people to take notes for her at school. Wow. Would spend some months on end in, in bed and pain. And um, Five and a half years later, she was at a meeting with a lady called Heidi Baker, Oh, yeah, and we know that a, woman. She got a hug from Heidi, and she said she just 
felt something lift off of her and she stood up out of her chair and this song uh you know that um taste and see that the yeah, lord is good yeah. is on and that was the first song she stood up and it was the first time she stood up in five and a half years with no pain no fatigue just crying got her life back next day started going on the streets and seeing people healed herself and i don't, I don't know if you know this but heidi baker got healed herself of me yep. did you know that yep she had it for 10 years yeah so even longer. Ruth had it for six, five, five, five and a half. half. Yeah, five and a half. And so and that was kind of a bonding too, because I was supernaturally healed. So I, I got, I had a bad sports injury, and then Banning actually called me out in a meeting of fifteen hundred people. Wow. I, ha- I actually had a hangover. It was a wayward season. Ooh. It was a prodigal son story. Not, wanna... not a Holy Spirit hangover? <laughs> no. You weren't like hanging over, like no, 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 staying no. after the glory? No. No. I, my, my, you basically, were... my grandpa bought me a ticket to this Jesus culture event, wired me money to go. I'm like, I'm not going. And just out of honor and respect for him, I went, but I went, I was supposed to go that night, but it was dollar draft night at the casino. And so I did that, and I drove up hating life because I was in so much pain and everything but he called me out in a a meeting and he said there's someone here Um, you had a sports injury in your shoulder kept on like dislocating or something like that over and over again doctors try to fix it if that's you can you stand up and I was the only person to stand up out of 1500 people no one laid hands on me but I just felt this intense heat almost like fire on my body and then my shoulder started moving around on the inside it was the most bizarre thing ever my hangover left started crying and got completely healed wow that's and that was and so that was kind of a connection point of our stories (laughs) together so you married a supernatural wife oh totally had a supernatural experience and got supernaturally healed Oh yeah, and 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 gave your life to a supernatural God. Oh yeah, yeah. So that that was a, that was definitely a defining moment for me. That kind of changed everything. And then I got a hold of the Jesus Culture book, and he talked about the School of Ministry in there. And I was like, "There's a place where people like this exist." I was like, "I need to go there." So then I came, did three years of school, and then uh, came on staff. And you were a sports guy. You were actually a professional coach. Isn't that true? Yeah, so I I did some coaching with Ohio State for three years, and that was kind of a um, it was it was while I was still in university, actually. So yeah, it was, oh, a, so you, it was a, it wasn't you weren't. Getting I was paid. Pay, I was paid and everything. Oh, they, yeah. they paid very well there, yeah. um, but they um, but basically from May through September, while I was on my summer break within college, I was with the team, helped run camps, uh, helped do trainings and conditionings and all that kind of stuff. And That's so amazing. So did that for three years, and then right after that, I came out here, and um, so that was all during that time. And so you, Steve, and Ruth are two of our most our strongest leaders in our whole environment and there's you know we have 8,000 people in our church probably at this point hundreds of staff over seven I guess I heard a number yesterday we just cracked 800 yeah 800 staff and I have so so much respect for you and our team has so much honor for both you and Ruth and watching you especially the last four or five years there's been so much like you you know, most improved player. Like you mm. guys have really elevated, especially well, Ruth too. Both of you. And when I was writing the Uprising book, I was talking about fatherlessness, and I was talking about how uh, how do people get well? 
and mm-hmm. I was talking, I was sharing a story. I, I, was, I, I was thinking of stories in which God broke insecurity, false identity, you know, all, all these things that men and women, but especially men face. Mm-hmm. And I told your story how um, you you came into staff meeting, and I, I don't really want to tell a story. I want to let you tell a story, but yes. I'll set I'll set up the the scene. We're in staff mm-hmm. meeting where really we're, we're we're mostly doing business. Yeah, and we always start out with some testimonies, you know, uh, stories, just like, hey, what's how's it going? What's the good news? And you know, people are sharing good news, and we're all <laughs> like, that's amazing, that's awesome, and. And it's it's kind of a it's high it's a high energy, very encouraging. We, we do it from anywhere from five minutes to an hour, even depending yeah. on what the meeting's like. And yeah. you know, and there's about anywhere from seventy to one hundred and twenty of our staff are in these meetings. Yeah, and that was going on, and then it, it was so it was like we were maybe fifteen minutes into these great stories, and. You you raised your hand. Uh, Dan called on you, and why don't you, do you remember that story? Yeah, I mean it was it was prefaced by kind of an experience I had. I, I'm going to get the timelines wrong. Yeah, that's I'm not, okay. I'm not very good with dates, but um, probably a couple weeks prior, it was in January of 2021. Yeah, and um, we had just started a new onboarding for our online school mm-hmm. so for those we we kind of started in the fall we started in january and so we had a new intake of students and so i'm as the senior overseer of the school you know i'm going to introduce everybody for worship and all this kind of stuff and so and it's live so we have people on there live yeah. you know you have anywhere from 300 to 600 and some people just, just online to be clear you're leading the class. Oh yeah. You're, you're, this is the first day of school or the second day of school. Yeah, for probably it's the first day of school for probably about two hundred people. Got it. Uh, but and then but we have another five hundred that have been doing school. Yeah, that you're. That, and that so are your um, you know we have the production guys there and they're like three, two, one, and you're live. <laughs> and as soon as they said we're live. Um, I don't know what happened to still, I don't really know what happened. Like I, it's hard to process, understand, but basically it was almost like I couldn't speak or I couldn't move. And I just became overwhelmed with God. Like I was just this overwhelming sense of the presence of God. And then, um, I heard him speak to me. He said, Steve, are you trying to protect your name? Or are you trying to protect my name? And when he hit that, and like, let me just preface this. Like when I came to Bethel and I was seeing people experience God and stuff, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> like, cause I'm yeah. Southern Baptist so, boy. So emotional. <laughs> I'm like, my background, Southern Baptist exactly. boy, father, son, Holy Bible. I have yeah. no grid for any of that kind of yeah. stuff. So when I came in that kind of stuff, like I always refer to myself, I really am an Oak of righteousness. You yeah. know, like it wasn't like, I wasn't the person no to go down. You know, yeah. if someone, you know, if I was in a charismatic meeting, I'd be like, try not to, you know, yeah. have anything happen to me. Um, but so when he spoke that to me, I, I fell over. I don't know what happened, but I was just but on But it was the spontaneous, right? That wasn't spontaneous. Not planned. Nothing was happening in the room. <laughs> like no one was doing anyone. No one was praying or yeah. anything. Literally, it's just no three, music, two, one, no and worship. we're live. And so yeah. it's first time experience <laughs> with these students. And I'm sitting there honestly panicking a little bit. And then he spoke that thing. And then I'm on the ground. And I don't really remember what happened 
then. I just my team said you're. I was on the ground for two hours, which is not my normal deal by any means. <laughs> Did somebody come up and, and lead the meeting? Yeah, someone came up and just took the mic, kind of stood over top of me, you know, did it, and then took him into worship. And, um, but I'd realized in that moment that I had subconsciously began making decisions involving my team, involving my personal life, my family life, for the church, that were subconsciously I was trying to protect my name with things. Yeah. I was – and kind of my background is I'm kind of like a – I like to be all things to all people, <laughs> you know. So – and a lot of that was rooted in out of fear of an ag- inadequacy or acceptance yeah, or those things. So I'd, yeah. I would try to just – I wanted people to like me was yeah. my, my thing. And so when that happened, it felt like something broke in me where I became aware of like, oh, I've been making a lot of this stuff about me. And here I am leading a school of like 800 ministry students at the time and a staff of 30 and all this stuff. And so it was kind of this, it was another come to Jesus moment, but it was more like a recalibration for me. And, um, and so it was from that where, um, God was just putting on his finger and basically just like breaking um, breaking my fear of being misunderstood or so being labeled as weak. And two weeks later, two we're, weeks we're, later we're in the meeting sharing I'm in testimonies. A, sharing testimonies. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like God's like, you need to share this testimony of what happened to you. <laughs> And I'm like, which is a little different than it's a little different than the vibe of the room. (laughs) Like everybody else is like, yeah. And I'm like, I got my behind spanked in front of a bunch of people. You (laughs) know, that was kind of the, the, the shift. And so I just kind of, um, you know, opened up about this encounter and, um, and kind of personally growing up. And this has been true since I can remember my, my greatest fear in life has been that my, my name wouldn't be remembered. And wow. And so, I kind of had this realization where, you know, God was really speaking to me. He's like, Steve, you can't be fully loved unless you allow yourself to be fully known. And I had realized there was, there was areas in my life where like my wife knew me. (laughs) That was about it. (laughs) Like, honestly, if I'm just being real, like even some of my best, closest friends, um, I, I, I wasn't fully known to anyone. Yeah. And so in that moment, um, I just felt like the Lord is just like, I want you to share this. And so I kind of opened up and shared that and shared my greatest fear and shared just kind of how I, I have a fear of my name not being remembered, but also that I'm not going to measure up, that I'm going to miss the mark, that I feel out of my depth from like in this situation, in this situation. And, um, yeah, you, and you remember you sharing how one of the things that really struck me in, in the midst of all those leaders who you are respected and revered, you were sharing how inadequate you felt mm-hmm. and how you came to every meeting feeling like I don't belong here. And then you had that encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for, for me, it was just like the Lord like, hey, you can pretend that this isn't there, but it's going to stay there. Or we can actually do something about it. Yeah. And for me, it's kind of like that thing is like you can keep going around the mountain if you want, but that mountain's never going to go anywhere. Yeah. And exactly. so that's always going to be an issue. And so for me, you know, Ruth and I, our big priority is family, kids, legacy, 
Like, what are we, what are we passing on to them? And so for me, I'm like, I want to be the best, biggest version of myself so that I can model something for my kids. So they're not trying to take some of my junk that I have. That's not good. And obviously we're all human, so they're going to get some of that stuff, but (laughs) maybe not. But, uh, but so for me, it was just kind of this place of like, I'm not, I'm, I'm no longer going to let fear of what other people think about me hold me back from um, stepping into what God has for me. And so that was kind of, I felt like that was a moment where God was just like, okay, let's see if you're really, yeah. is this about your name or is this about my name? Let's actually see. It, was, it, it, it sounds weird, but if like, he's so kind. So I'm not yeah. like he's testing you, but there yeah. is this thing where it's like, it felt like this, okay, let's see if this is actually taking root. And honestly, I've been different since. Like um, my wife will even tell you for the last, you, you know, January, so year and a half, I've been a different human since then. And um, interesting. So you stood up and did that in tears, mm-hmm. and uh, took you a little while just to get past your tears that day. <laughs> and then you know, I'm like, well, I was, you know, I was about to say, let's pray for you. And then before you could finish, someone else stood up and said, I'm having the same experience. Yeah. And then somebody else, and someone else, and someone else, and I, I don't remember how many, but probably at least 10 of our leaders mm-hmm. stood with you and said, I'm having that same experience. I've never told anyone about what I'm experiencing in this room. Mm-hmm. I feel inadequate. I feel like I don't belong here. I feel like so- I'm going to be discovered as a phony and a fake. And we ended up with a, a real Holy Spirit moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was where- powerful people on the ground weeping and just other other leaders just praying for them for that to be broken off and our team i would say our team bonded in a way that definitely has never happened before yeah no it's true it, it, things have felt different and you can even tell in meetings past that there's just been um more permission i guess yeah. would be how i describe it people feeling more permission to be real, authentic, to come as a son and a daughter in front of dads. Yeah. There's you and Dan and Kathy, dads and moms in that yeah. room. It can be intimidating, you know, because you want to make your dad proud. You want to make yeah. your mom proud. And so it can be intimidating to go, I don't feel like I'm hitting the standard of what yeah. mom and dad are expecting of me. You well, know? You're, not, you're not the only one because, you know, to be honest, there are times I walk in that room and I've been leading – I've been leading this group of people for 24 years and wonder, you know, is it time to retire? Is it time to be done? Do these guys want me done? Does anybody really fall in me? And so, you know, I, I think that these fears in different on different levels mm-hmm. are common to people and leaders. Yeah. And why do you think that sharing these lies and the shame, you know, being authentic. Why, mm-hmm. why do you think it's important? Well, it's an, it's important because uh, I'll go back to what I said before. You, you can't experience the fullness of love from someone unless you allow someone to fully know you and yeah. see you. So if, if you, if you don't allow yourself to be fully known, basically you're just like a bucket with a hole in the bottom. 
and yeah. you can pour no matter how much love you pour in there yeah it's just going to leak out you're not going to really receive it yeah because even and then this happens deep in our subconscious that yeah. we're not even aware of these things but there is that deep seated thing where you go yeah but yeah exactly. but if you knew this yeah if you knew this you wouldn't or, like me yeah you, you wouldn't, wouldn't like me, me. Or you would think different of me mm-hmm. or you'd think poorly of me in that area. And I think I came to grips with, you know, we're so scared to admit that we're not perfect. I'm like, that's the whole reason why Jesus had to come. Exactly. I'm like, we all, <laughs> we all miss the mark. Totally. And we're still, but we're scared that we're like, maybe no one else is missing the mark. I'm like, bro, we, we all get yeah. it wrong. And so for me, it's it's just so important because um, you you actually get to experience the fullness of everything that God has for yeah. you if you allow yourself to be fully yeah. seen and transparent, and you and you are you're free in the place that you never have to feel like you're you have to wear a mask again. Yeah, and I think that's what felt true to me is it felt like I wore a mask. Yeah, of a mask of I'm going to put on a reflection that I think you want to see. Yeah. And because of that, I, I, I didn't have true joy or happiness mm-hmm. in my life. I didn't feel fully fulfilled, really. Like, there was yeah. moments of joy and things, and I felt fulfilled in other areas. But in terms of work, I didn't, I didn't feel fulfilled in that moment. And honestly, so I can tell you, since that, like, Ruth will tell you, she's like, you're a different human. Like, yeah. I, I have been, and we've gone through stuff. There's been a yeah. lot of interesting stuff and hard things. Yeah, but, you have. You, you, you but have. I have found, honestly, crazy joy and excitement, and my outlook on life has completely changed from that. Yeah. And honestly, I, I do attribute it to allowing myself to be known. And that's, that's my heart for everyone, and that's my heart for our team and for our students. And so as a leader, I'm continually coaching them and casting vision of the importance of being authentic and being known and being real. Yeah, I always say I'd rather be hated for who I am than love for who I'm not. Oh, that's such a good word. Because the truth is is that when you pretend, you always feel like a fake and a phony. Mm-hmm. And you're always concerned that someone's going to turn over that leaf, open that door at the wrong time, you know, discover you in the secret in your secret place and go, oh, this is it. Oh, that was what I was in love with. That's not who who's real. That's yeah. not who you are. It's true. And the uh, famous, uh, I think she's a psychologist, uh, Brene Brown said yep. that we are all neurobiologically wired for connection. Mm-hmm. And then she said the greatest enemy of connection is shame. And she said you break shame by being authentic. Yeah. In fact, it's called the power of vulnerability. If anyone wants to watch it on TED Talk, your journey in discovering how to live as a son. How do you step into fatherhood and leadership role and still remain a son? Because y- you're a father now. You've got three yeah. kids. Well, a third on the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, we count them right yeah. now. Yeah. And, uh, but you never, you're never going to lose being a son mm-hmm. as you become a father. Totally. How do you remain – what's a journey look like in, in being a son? We have a lot of men and women who will be watching this podcast mm-hmm. and – how do I remain a son? Yeah, I mean, I the I think humility and teachability are at the foundation of those things. I think, um, you know, I'm 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 an achiever by nature, mm-hmm. so I um, we have that in common. Yes, yeah, so like I like ashamedly admit I'm driven by 
status or hitting the mark in certain things. And so I have to protect myself against that to make sure I'm doing things from the right motive. But when it comes to like maintaining a son is one, I had, I have an amazing dad on earth. You do. So I, I feel greatly privileged with that. I had a dad that, um, never missed a sporting event, never missed anything that I did, you know, would fly back from California to Ohio just to catch a basketball game or, you know, I, I just, I loved my dad. He's my hero to this day. Um, and I think the thing that impacted me so much was so many times throughout my life where I had missed the mark where I had some done some stupid stuff or I had some done some stuff that I was ashamed of. And his affirmation of my identity never changed. Yeah. Like that didn't mean, he didn't you know, he, you. he didn't discipline me or something like that. But like he, he really instilled belief and confidence in who I was, who I was called to be a man of character, integrity. And so maintain that place of son, honestly, like I, being a son to my dad, which I know that I have unique privilege. That's not everybody's experience, yeah, exactly. right? So I feel not very, in this world. Yeah, totally. So I feel very blessed to to have that experience. But from that, I know what it felt to be in that place, and and so for me, I'm like, oh man, it is. It was the greatest gift in my life to be able to have a dad that I could actually do life with, that I could be, that I could have confidence to go before and you know, yeah. just have that place. And so for me growing up, I'm like, oh, if I, I, I take everything in the perspective of leadership too, because yeah. I'm really passionate about leadership. Yeah. My personal goal is I want to be the greatest leader in the world, you know? And, uh, and so I, I'm just continually striving for this. And so for me, I'm like, oh, the best leaders are the best students. They're the, they're the people that are remaining teachable, constantly learning, never being satisfied, always looking to move forward. And I want to I want to live my life in as an example. And so for me, I'm like if I'm raising up future leaders, I want to teach them that to be a great leader, you have to go to the lowest of the low and that means taking on humility, taking on submission under different people and authorities and recognizing that you don't have all the answers that you see the world through a certain lens and you might not be seeing it the right way. And, and so I know I'm, I'm dancing around it no, a little I, bit. I think but it's great. For, for me, it is so important that we understand that we never outgrow being a son or a daughter because, like, um, you know, a, a fa- the role of a father is to, one, love us, believe in us, and raise us up in the way that we should go, yeah. right? And so if he's our father— yeah. And we can't out, you know, we're not going to outgrow him in terms of age. We're always yeah. going to be that place. So for me, I'm like, I, he's always going to be my dad. So in that respect, like the, the way that I allow father, like I'll put it this way. I can't, um, I can't experience someone fathering me unless I invite them into a place to father. Yeah. And that takes a lot of courage. Yeah. But oftentimes I see people that are like, wow, they're not, you know, they're not fathering me or they're not mothering me. And I'm like, you're also not giving them an opportunity yeah, it's to hard. speak into your life. It's or, hard to father an orphan. Yeah. And I think that, you know, and what to your point that you'll always be a son, I mean, Jesus Christ in, in Isaiah 6 is called the everlasting father. Mm-hmm. And yet in Matthew and John, Jesus and Matthew and Luke, 
God speaks to him from heaven and says, this is my beloved son. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, this is my beloved father. Yeah. So Jesus is, is the everlasting father, mm-hmm. but he's still a son yeah. to, a fa- to another father. Mm-hmm. I, I, think that, I think it's so beautiful, but I do think what you said is so real. Because we live in the most fatherless generation in the history of the world in which our fathers are alive but not home. And what it's, what's happened, as you know, because we're in the midst of trying to help solve this problem, mm-hmm. is that we, we end up with, the, you know, like even the church is like a global orphanage. Mm-hmm. It's, it's full of bastard sons, bastards and not sons, and daughters. And so oftentimes we're trying to bring fathering or family principles to an orphan mm-hmm. in which they don't actually know how to receive love. And I think that what you shared 10 minutes ago is so powerful because you actually answered the question, like, how do I go from being an orphan mm-hmm. to a son? Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's like in Philippians 2, I think it's 6, or it's around that address where it's just talking about, you know, humility is considering others as greater than yourselves. Yes. So it's not... It's not looking down on yourself. It's not beating yourself up, but it's it's looking around and recognizing the gifting and call that God has put on different people in you. And it, what it does, it allows you to receive people in a greater way. It allows me to receive, you know, from anyone. I yeah. remember uh, years ago, uh, you know, in the school ministry, we have a third year program, which yeah. is kind of like an internship mentorship program. And so Ruth and I have taken on a lot of uh, third-year students that have done life with me. And one year, we had a guy who was 67 years old applying to do a third year with Ruth and I. And this guy... Just a little older than you. Just a little older than me. He was one of the wealthiest men in the South, had the second-largest lumber company in the world, had this large real estate business, taught at generals at West Point guerrilla warfare. At one point in time was the leading commander in Vietnam of every troop that went in and out of Vietnam for six months. Like this guy is like sitting in this interview. He's pretty He's like, can I, can I intern for you? And I'm like, can I intern for you? (laughs) That's honestly what I'm doing. And so we just had an honor conversation. I was like, look, I was like, I don't, I don't want to waste your time. Like, I'm just being real. Like, I don't know what benefit we would be to you for a year if yeah. you given your life for that. And he goes, look, he's like, I have a core value that I can learn from anyone. He's like, I don't care if you're two or 102, wow. I can learn from you. That's so and beautiful. he said, in this year, all I wanna grow in and learn is how to hear God's voice and how to pray for the sick. And he's like, if it just means me hanging around you and sweeping the floors, that's what I'll do. And I remember that moment, I was like, this guy is a dad, he has a bunch of kids, but he's 67 years old and he still is a son. Like he positioned himself yeah. to be a son, even me, which at the time I was like, this is years ago. So 29 years old or 30 years yeah. old. And, and I remember being so struck by that moment where I was like, oh man, that, that's what it means to be a son. Wow. Is to allow, no matter someone's background or upbringing or education or geographic location, there's something that we can extract from all of us. And I think that's the very nature of a son. It's this place of humility is considering others as greater than yourselves. And it's, it's huge for, for us. We just pray for us for a minute. Yeah. So Holy spirit, I just, I ask right now for anyone watching, um, anyone listening to this right now, father, that you would just come the same way you came with me, father that you would just release grace and, and rest over us right now to be able to receive you as our dad. So 
And Father, I thank you just for the gift of humility yes. coming on us right now, that we'd yes, be Lord. humble enough to be able to recognize the calling and gifting in others. So good. Yes, Lord, thank you so much. If this conversation's impacted you, I really want to encourage you to sign up for our Father series in partnership with our new book, Uprising. Uh, I, I, I uh, just finished this book about, I actually finished it about a year ago. It comes out October 25th. I have this notes down. It's called Uprising, the Epic Battle for the Most Fatherless Generation in the History. In history, And we did a five-part video series featuring stories of hope um, around the fatherless generation. And so you can learn more about it uh, at www.theuprisingbook.com. Let me do that again. www.theuprisingbook.com. And can join this five-part video series. I think you're going to really love it. I think you're going to love the book. Steve, thank you so much for being on. Thanks so much for your transparency. Thanks for having me. I'm so um, honored to have you on, and I'm so honored to have you on our team. Yeah. God bless you. Love you. Well, see you next week. God bless you all. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelton.com. Have an awesome day.